You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Here we are again on the Fearless Business Podcast with me, Robin Waite, and I've got a really fascinating guest with me today, uh, a guy called Ed Rich. He is a self-proclaimed polymath, which I'm really interested to find out a little bit more about um, whilst we're talking, because I have no idea what that is whatsoever. He's an avid book reader, a sales and marketing expert, and one of the reasons why we got chatting was around high-ticket closing and some of the work which Ed used to do for, um, who was it, Ed? Used to, when we met, you had a t-shirt on. Um, the ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels, yeah, it was right. a Growth Hackers t-shirt, wasn't right. it? So, yeah. which, um, which I really, really, it was quite cool. We, we, we met at a local um, uh, gym stroke swimming, swimming, pool. swimming pool, basically. I was taking my daughter swimming and Ed was there in his Growth Hackers t-shirt and I was like, it's oh, amazing. Those are like limited editions. So, um, first of all, Ed, before we go into the, like, the guts of the, tell me what polymath is. Yeah, polymath is basically what people confuse today with uh, the generalist in the sense that like people who are good at like many things, uh, not good, who can do many things, more like GP, but polymath is a is is a PhD version of that. So uh, people who are naturally curious, like monkeys, and they, they find anything fascinating just because it's fascinating and they go deep in understanding what makes it work like that. And the benefit of that is these people are highly innovative and visionaries that they try almost all the time when they think about something, they try to bring in all the other curious knowledge they have gained in the journey to make it fit together to connect the dots and and that's how they usually are um good inventors and uh you can come you you can compare my profile my personality type with a lot of inventors that way but the polymath is also um a hoarder of knowledge so uh you can think of me i mean i read books on so many topics that uh, I, I I don't have friends who read books on that diverse topics, so we can dig on that uh, deeper later. But I think that was a kind of a summary of polymath people yeah. who are good, exceptionally good at too many things. So it's, it's um, and also I get the um, the idea there that it's about problem solving on it, a massive scale. It is uh, the problem solving bit comes from the the excitement of combining the different ideas together to create a unique or a fun solution to a problem which is usually considered non-solvable or, or um, you know, maybe even just a tough, tough problem and it has a boring solution. I, I love the notion that, uh, that entrepreneurs are kind of a bit like inquisitive monkeys, right. just kind of bounding around the place, just kind of like solving meaningful problems. Yeah. I think that would be what a world that would be if that's actually what it looked like. Um, so how, uh, tell me about your personal journey. How did you end up uh, being Ed Rich, the polymath? Um, I have been, I think they're the type of people, um, you may have heard of Renaissance men or Renaissance people, yeah. uh, somebody like Leonardo da Vinci. He was a perfect polymath. He's he's something I'm not like he, in the sense that, uh, let's say, uh, if it was a black belt uh, and, and black belt is a top rank, 
Leonardo da Vinci's black belt. I'm probably white or brown belt. I don't know what's the first or second belt it is. But I'm probably by birth uh, like that, a curious person, um, curious about a lot of things. Some of them are dangerous. Some of them are not that dangerous. Um, and a lot of those, uh, let's say, personal insecurities which or fears which stop you from doing something that keep you asking yourself, why did I stop that? Why did I did not do that? And then you figure out different ways to do those things uh, and you in, in the end you conquer that situation so also kind of an innate desire i have in me or you can say one word uh, which describe me is in charge so i like to take in charge of the environment around me the situation i don't believe in uh, luck and that was a constant struggle i was having with the uh, the society and the religion i was living in i was born in um and 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 thing like that tell us more about it yeah so um i was in carl jung um jung's category in psychology the personality type i have is called i think it's an enfp you can google search it and find out more about it but this personality is probably uh, one person of the world population has this personality type and what this personality type does is uh, it's, it's a very innovative, visionary, creative uh, personality type. And as I said, a polymath, a, a, a naturally curious person, um, extrovert, intuitive. So intu intuition extrovert means like I love talking to people about ideas and, and stuff like that. So this is how I have always been. And and the, the, the challenges of my early... Uh, growing up in a society which was very uh, conservative were that my ideas were always forward, ahead, way ahead of time. I don't know why. I did not deliberately wanted those ideas to be ahead, but it was just natural for me to have those ideas. And you will discover some of the things today uh, that even now I have ideas which are ahead of the society I live in. I think it's just natural for me that I become misfit very quickly in any society you put me in. So it's almost impossible for you or anyone to put me in an isolated society or isolated um, uh, uh, mentality of people. Uh, now, it's a good thing because at that time I was living in India with my parents and um, during my school time, I did not want to join my father's business, which was a norm because if you are a rich, uh, you're from a rich family, which I somehow was um, born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, my father had at the time I came to the UK my father had a, like a hundred million uh, US dollar business uh, I worked mm -hmm. in it for four years but then uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead so the problem was I wanted to bring in computer game industry and that was in early 2000s I wanted to bring in the computer game industry in India and my father had all the means possible to to be a big player on at, at that time in that uh, industry and just the society did not approve. And and by society, I mean not only my father, my mother, but my uncles, their friends, and everyone I talk to, they just think like I'm just talking crap. And uh, it was discouraging me, kind of demotivating, discouraging. Don't I don't know what you can uh, think about that, but then I keep on jumping. I was always um, artistic, so I used to draw a lot of comic book characters and cool. <laughs> all my school books, especially mathematics books, which because I used to get super bored in mathematics class, my teacher were boring. To be honest, I was not that bad in maths, but um, I found that. So I, I used to draw 
comic book characters and stuff and i used to get scolded and i was banned from doing those things because my parents thought being good indian you're supposed to rank very high in in exams and and, and score and do very good in numbers uh because society wanted and and stuff like that i never get past that problem because here's the problem with schools you go to school for an hour uh a class for an hour and if if that class is interesting you have to break you have to stop after that hour and then move on to the next class what if the next class is super boring and the problem with me was that if i like something i want to do it like crazy uh for the next 3 days 4 days 5 days maybe a week 2 weeks don't stop me from doing that just let me do that thing don't stop me because once i lose the momentum it it takes me again long time to emotionally to gather the momentum so uh that, that's we, a that's a sign of success because that's persistence that's you just doggedly going after one specific goal yeah until I, you, until you get it get it done i call that approach um you know blitzkrieg yes yeah 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 <laughs> i I, th- i think i'm very aggressive on 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 that front uh not on others but on how i short circuit my own mental circuits on or if i'm liking something i want to do it like in a big burst and as much as possible uh within a small period of time i'm not those kind of people who like who will maintain this kind of excitement about that that particular subject or item or thing for a very 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 long time and and that that's what reflect in my career as well that i have done so many things in my my school life extracurriculum and and the career that usually you can combine a lot of people uh their lifelong careers to do those things i i think kind of in a way you've that da- um defined what fearless is all about there for for me fearless is being fearless isn't about being reckless but it's about having a a really clear vision in mind and stepping outside of your comfort zone to achieve that vision I think a lot of small business owners struggle with um how other people perceive it and it 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 strikes me that you've you've managed to you know step away from the what how your family's per- were perceiving you and just go after whatever it was that you're doing that's like the the sound solid definition of fearless right there but I'm interested to know so where how did you where did, how did you end up in Dursley in Gloucestershire yeah okay so um now that the dark side of my uh, my story sounds um, <laughs> intriguing go for it um i have been child abused emotionally as i was um it, it's me and my sister basically we've been child abused by my parents who were uh, who have extreme narcissistic personality disorders and um they do not approve us to do anything outside of um anything that will give them more reputation so which will wow. elevate their reputation and stuff like that and i was being beaten uh emotionally put down on almost everything i ever come up with that i want to do this i was put down and i was given something else instead just because it came from me so i had a I had a pressure of joining my father's business because it's a tradition and it it elevates their reputation in their view uh and and they end up getting that thing my father had a heart attack so i had to leave my engineering i was doing i was in the final years of engineering and uh joined that business now i stayed in the business for 4 years uh for 2 years i was active for 2 years i was inactive just like kind of on a strike that i will lock myself in a in a room unless you let me go out away from this world um so 
during that time when I was with my father, uh, the business was 20 million US dollars. And in the next two years, that was 2007, 2008, during recession, we took that business from 20 million a year to 100 million a year. Now, that was without me taking leadership position. That was me just innovating because that was the first time. So, what, what sort of business was it? Yeah, it was a construction business for cool. nuclear and thermal power plants, oil and petroleum wow, pipelines. Yeah, cool. So, he was a small contractor of, let's say, 20 million US dollar thingy. Now, he was 100 million. So uh, what I did was restructuring of the human resource and, and uh, implementing um, systems based on Lean and Six Sigma and, and yep. stuff like that. I mostly implemented that because I was curious about learning about these methods. And once I learned those, uh, I, ha I have a playground to, to implement those methods. So that's how we uh, somehow make reminds it. Reminds me a little work. bit about, so have you ever read The Goal by Eric uh, a, a liar gold wrap yeah i have it in my my shelf i try to read it many times but because it has a fiction uh approach it's difficult for me to oh read. really you struggle with that yeah why is that? I, I, I somehow struggle with that why is that i don't know the only type of fiction i end up liking were um were either um science fiction uh and and to be particular epic fantasies yeah uh, before uh the game of thrones was famous um, so Lord of the Rings and, and stuff like that. I used to like that, but that's the only kind of fiction I like. Yeah. Everything else, I like pure non-fiction. I'm going to ask you a very tricky question yeah. now, Ed. And just, just be careful how you answer this one. But you've read Take Your Shot, right? Ooh. I'm ready. You've read Take Your Shot, haven't you? Oh, oh, Take Your Shot. Yeah, I mean, I was reading <laughs> it this morning, actually. I read oh, wait, it. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Good yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course I finished and, it because it, it's told as a story. So it's I, my, it's told. I mean, it's based on a obviously Your a real character. Story. Yeah, yeah, my goal story. But um, but I'd be interested to because I I kind of I took the goal and I took a couple of other things as inspiration behind Take Your Shot. So um, so I'll be interested to know what your review comes out of of that one. Yeah. But the um, but the goal reminds me very much because that's all about um, Six Sigma, isn't it? And um, sort of in a, ma in a manufacturing plant, in my opinion. And it's one of the best books when it comes Curious to manufacturing constraints and stuff yeah, yeah i did exactly. study those things but not from gold but probably some other sources online yeah. courses and stuff non-story related ones yeah i'm <laughs> I, i'm not against story or anything like that i think i will read that book anyway yeah uh it's just that i was i never found myself in the right mood to like okay i'll read this today yeah it's, so. it makes in my opinion it makes a very good audio book you can kind of listen to an autopilot when you're doing other stuff which yeah is quite makes nice. sense so you yeah. don't have to take notes when you're listening to yeah, it. yeah yeah absolutely and the, the yeah. principles in it are quite they're they're it's a complex book but they're easy to absorb if that makes sense yeah 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 i mean so, you wouldn't believe me i have like 50 books audiobooks in the pipeline just for my youtube channel so you can see like i have a load of Books to read. <laughs> <laughs> Just for if work. You, if you've got any recommendations for the Fearless Crew, then please do share them with the group because we'd, we'd appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And maybe you can share with your audience in the link below. I'll give you a list of recommendations. Yeah, which awesome. would be an awesome collection of books based on uh, what you stand for and fearlessness. Perfect. So, so you've you've kind of helped your father's your family business grow to close to sort of eight nine figures, and uh, what what happened next? Um, I was totally frustrated by that time. That was I was twenty seven 
in age. But that time, I think I think I tried to commit suicide eight times since age 12. So I was so depressed and stuff. Like even though uh, with the team, existing team, we were able to do all those things, but personal life was suffering. It was mm. not something I want to, to live in. As a polymath, as an ENFP personality type, result does not matter for me as long as the journey is not good it's, yeah. if the journey is not worth living result just stays for a few seconds like you you live results only for a few seconds but yeah. the journey you live like all the duration of those time that time and if it's not um i'm not saying that's the wrong approach if you care only about results that's perfectly fine i need people like that in my teams but it's not me so i cannot do that so um yeah even though results were encouraging and when i talk about it this to others this thing like i'm 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 crazy i'm just like impractical and stuff like okay fine whatever it is uh there was one moment when i decided like okay enough of giving it giving up I, i wanted to give up trying to to harm myself and I was like okay no I'm here to create a dent in the universe and actually that change came after reading the book um, by Jack Canfield um, that was Success Principles yep so that is I think one of the first life changing books like I have many life changing moments after that but that was the one which made me actually realize that I have to take things in my hand yeah. when, when did you leave? Uh, that was 2007 when I read this book and I left in 2010. So it okay. still took me a uh, long time. Yes. Yeah. I always find uh, that self-development journey does take a little bit of time to, to, for all of the... The thing is, you're 27. Off. You've got 27 years worth of baggage that you kind of got to leave behind at some I point. I was not even allowed to have salary. Yeah. So I was systematically programmed, mentally programmed to not to accept money in my life. So I was not allowed wow. to... I, I was working with my parents. I was allowed... To, I, my first car I bought was Mercedes S-Class. But it was the process is this. You have to go to your parents, ask them what you want, convince them, and if they like the idea, they will buy you stuff. But you cannot buy from the money in your pocket because you don't have any money in your pocket. Yeah. So wow. that, that's what the life was. Um, this you is think you learned why. some of your sales skills from there? I think it's more ENFP. Um, and, and you ask me, how did I end up being in Dursley? And, yeah. and, and that's where I'm coming to. So the only course I could think of that would let me leave that place was an MBA. An MBA in the top business school because top business schools are the only business schools which can take you um, based on your experience, even if you are not graduate. So I was not graduate because I left in the final year and I had no wish to complete that course. It was super boring like classes. Um, so that's the path I took and I ended up being in the UK and I was lucky that I did not end up in the US, even though I wanted to be in the US because of the things I will talk about in, in, in later in this, um, discussion. So after my MBA in the UK, I tried many different things, but the first job I did was, um, in an entrepreneurial organization, which was uh, TIE, the Indus Entrepreneur, which is one yeah. of the world's largest largest membership-based uh, entrepreneurship-promoting organizations. So I was handling the UK headquarter of that, um, that company. And at that time, I was man- managing a membership web- uh, company, not website, but organizing summits, conferences, uh, seminars, and uh, networking events. Yeah. And uh, after that, because we were so much around entrepreneurs, me and my wife, like once uh, that company closed down briefly uh, because of some disputes in the directors. 
So then I had a choice that I go for job hunting or we start something of our own. So we choose to start something of our own. And that's where my journey into the online businesses and, 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 and stuff like that began. Yeah. Uh, so what I are you doing? Up, what are you doing now? Yeah. So I'm coming to, to that. One of the things I did not wanted to do was to face people to sell them. Again, I told you that systematically yeah. I was programmed not to ask for money and, and uh, I was scared of asking for a sale. So the next logical thing for me was to pick up digital marketing. So online marketing, you just keep at a distance. You just make websites. You're not really talking to a person yeah. and, and, and stuff like that. So I went on and I took training from some of the world's best uh, trainers I can find at that time, like Ryan Days. I, I personally went to Austin, his his, his classroom, one and only classroom he ever did um, about on um, email marketing and yeah, other certifications. And, and yeah. yeah. So I got those things and then I asked him, like, I got these things now. How will I sell myself? Like, uh, what kind of service? So he recommended, like, oh, do consulting. I have no idea that I can do consulting. I was like, okay. And, and, and on the back of me, there was a fear that, okay, for consulting, I will have to sell someone, talk to someone and, and sell it. Um, Ask him like, okay, how much can I charge for it? And and I had in my mind something like two hundred fifty dollars or something like that per project or something. He said five thousand, and it was like that was a shock for me. Like, yeah. okay, here I am thinking two hundred fifty is a lot, and he said like five thousand is more like a cheap side. It was like, okay, so I kept that in my mind. I came uh, came back here, um, took some. Got some people interested in my uh, the project working with me. The first sale I was about to close, which I did not end up closing, uh, actually lost after closing, almost closing, was $50,000 project. The first project ever. Wow. So I almost closed that project, but I did not follow up because lack of training or whatever uh, you can call it. But that I will... Throughout my life, I will remember that evening. Like, we virtually shook hands. The client is super happy. I'm super happy. It's like I went out and celebrated, and then next, from next day, the client disappeared. Um, because I did not have the processes, which I have now, or I know now what we need to do, what were the reasons why clients don't buy from you and stuff like that. Right. I'm really intrigued now, and I gave you a list of questions, but I want to focus on that, if that's okay. Talk to me a bit more about that process. Well, at that time, that process was more um, in, uh, interpersonal. So I, what I did was, um, because I did not understand my clients, my primary goal was to talk to a person one-on-one -on -one and find out as much as possible about that person uh, because I wanted to create a customer avatar. So all the interviews and discussions I had with that person was not to sell him anything was just to understand all the pain points, all the problems that person is facing. And to me, what was fascinating was that in today's world, I call it empathy, finding out about your client's problems and pain points and their life is empathy. Yeah. And that's missing. So I did not sell anything. I was just going around like asking how he's running business and everything else. And my motive was purely to create a document, which is this is my ideal customer and I want to create a service for this customer. And then in the end, all, all his problems combined, I could easily solve it because I had an MBA and, uh, and all the trainings in the world to solve those problems. Yeah. Um, I offered that like this is how I'm going to solve it. This is how I'm going to enable 
you to to overcome your individual problems in this field let's say team building this is the solution to that problem uh, marketing this is automation this is the problem solution to that problem everything is perfect it's just the sales process which i was not trained in yeah. um so what i found from that experience is that it's okay to go and talk to people so at one end I was running away from talking to people. On the other hand, I found that it's actually much better to 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 know more about them, care about them because I was in the process of creating a document about it. I was actually naturally inclined towards really finding out what's what's the core of their problems. Yeah. And finding out problems is half the solution itself. And and what's um so so now you've got this the knowledge kind of how did that then how did you adapt your sales process then to improve improve on that mistake which you've made before? Yeah, so what I found was that after that a couple of I I was not able to improve upon that mistake immediately, let's say for another year or something, but I was still in the process of finding out what went wrong. Um, so I try I talk with let's say um. 10 more people in the next one year uh, to provide them a service, let's say at 5,000, uh, 6,000 price point. And eight of them became my clients. And and that was another shock for me that like here I was running away from sales conversations mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and did all these skill development, all these trainings and stuff so that I can I never have to face anyone to talk to that person and I end up doing... Uh, great sales than than the service I provide after that sales. Now they are happy with me with the service I provided. No one ever backed out. However, am I proud of that? Probably not as much as as I'm proud of the the feelings and ex- excitement people I see in people pe- people's face when they are they believe that they can solve their problem. Yeah, they believe they can come out of that problem, and I have the solution for them. I'm not the best solution provider. I would say that uh, probably one of the very few honest digital marketers out there. I can just do the job, but I'm not the world class in digital marketing, even though I wanted to be. But because I have to stick with it for, I don't know, 20 years. And as a polymath, I cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that led me to to this this part where, um, and then eventually during the years, I invested a lot of money in uh, learning from uh, expensive high ticket programs themselves on on how to sell, how the sales conversation should go, which I was doing kind of naturally, but not in that structure. Uh, then I learned the structures, then I practiced those structures and stuff like that and became better in those. So now what I'm doing is not, providing the marketing service other than a company I'm working as um, as, as a growth hacker uh, part-time. But as a consulting service, I'm not providing that. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm helping the coaches and consultants who can provide better service than I can provide and go and sell for them in the sense that match them. I'm like a marriage matchmaker, uh, <laughs> more like an um, arranged marriage maker, yeah. um, Indian style for the clients who need to solve a problem and the people who are the best people in the world I can find, I can reach them and and match them and and stand behind it. So uh, what happens is if I match someone and the client and and the coach is not a good match, I uh, and, and I encourage them to take a refund. However, never ever happened. But 
you never know i have i still stand for it because i believe in it that it never happened and if it if it happened it happens and uh i'll have my skin in the game so yeah. and uh, how do you how do you measure success so you, you've talk, talked through some of the setbacks that you faced like the flip side as well like coming out of that through that journey but how with all of this all of these things that you're doing how do you actually measure success okay uh, it's a polymathic measurement <laughs> okay <laughs> go on so explain people say hey, I, w- i will measure success if i'm doing this and that no i have identified 12 areas in life which needs to have goals every one of them if you miss out any one of them you're every single area of your life will will suffer from it some of those are your spiritual life uh i i considered myself less spiritual like almost zero spiritual but that's not true it's just that i did not discover my spirituality i was extremely ethical and stuff like that then there are emotional states um probably uh because of the the, the abuse and stuff i was um growing up with uh some mental disorders like borderline so emotional swings were quite common and stuff and 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 it was it is it has always been important for me to conquer my emotions uh because that's that's how i move forward um and and again i said that being in charge is 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 one of the things which drives me so uh one of the major of my success soft measure i would say would be if i'm in charge i'm still in charge of those areas like okay am i in charge right now in today's date am i in charge of my emotional state then again i said there are 12 areas uh, there are more probably but these are 12 big areas so that include your personal life your financial life your uh, your career uh, life your uh, relationship with your wife your relationship with your kids they're two separate things not the same yeah not a family is not a goal they're different goals so you yeah. will see a trend of um people going out with their wife for a date night i have been trying to do that I still haven't succeeded in it so i would say clearly that in my relationship even we are really enjoying the time together i'm still not uh, according to my measure it's not a success yeah so um and and similarly in the financial side some same for the career side like am i acquiring the skills um then for the intellectualism that's another category and that's where i'm the heaviest uh intellectualism is my number one skill i would say uh being a polymath that acquired knowledge of so many things and I'm, i'm i'm more like even though i would like to be right every single time i know that I, it's better for me to be wrong like sometimes and it allows me to respect others as well yeah, yeah. cool so in terms of um you've been through an awful lot what would you say out of all of that would be your proudest accomplishment i would say um you, you mean the personal or professional uh well still with both actually how about on a personal level first? okay so uh the personal is for me it's the meeting my wife the way i did it was is different from how most people do it I was grown in again in India I was not allowed to not even have salary also no girlfriend <laughs> none of my friends should be girls I'd because been running, for the, running for the hills yeah <laughs> so and and how you get married in that culture was um your parents match for you you have to say yes or no and that's it that's pretty much it it's like tinder so it was a tinder matter like instead of having a date you marry like a tinder like yes no boom next Mom, yes, mama dad no, are swiping next. left and right exactly yeah and you just say yeah 
No, based on the face. Yeah. You have no idea what personality disorders that person can have, no demons, what demons or what like lack of demons that person can bring. You never know. But you just have to say yes or no, something like that. I defied that. I did not like that. I never accepted that. So uh, it's very rare that you're 28 year old and you're not married in that culture. Yeah. Um, so, so I was one of those. So I was again an outlier. Um, and then I came here um, and because I came here, um, I wanted a completely different culture to get married to. I don't want that cu- previous culture to dominate my life ever. So I was open to international um, dating scene, but I had no training. I had no experience of dating. I was like <laughs> awkward, really awkward. I will go and cannot even look into the eye of a girl I like and stuff like that. So I, I started searching YouTube and I found some niches about pickup artistry. I cannot believe something like that can, can exist. And yeah, I, it's rife. It's yeah. rife, the whole dating, like there's loads of dating coaches out there nowadays. Yeah, in India, if you go and approach, now I, things are changing now, but from my understanding, if you go and approach a random girl on the street and, and try to take her to a coffee, you will get beaten by the public. Public will beat you. They will think that you are a per- pervert or something like that. It's part of the culture. The culture doesn't encourage dating. Um or or girl and boy meeting that much now it's opening up it's changing like eight years a lot has changed but still who cares <laughs> um uh, for me that was the reality cool. so i struggled struggled and then i took some mentors i um subscribed to i bought courses from even pagan and and that totally changed the way i see myself i think that was again the next level of consciousness about myself like how to keep yourself hygienic clean uh mentally emotionally nice interesting person um and i think that goes in the sales as well today um my root in sales lies from there that the way you are from the inside the other people that's the type of people you will attract and that's how i end up uh i think uh you know, going out, picking up a lot of um, uh, pretty girls on the street. The, the world looked like a catalog. I mean, suddenly out of nowhere, the world started to look like, okay, anyone I like, whether they're like, you know, uh, with their parents, like if, if a girl is hanging out with their parents, I was I was good enough to just go in front of their parents and ask her, yeah. what's her number? <laughs> or would, <laughs> would she like to come to a coffee with me? And, and that was like a superpower to me. Eventually, I end up meeting my, my, my wife this way. And once I meet my wife, I st- stopped. I don't know. I, somehow I felt like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very satisfied with what's going on. And I stopped dating anymore. And That's a good thing. Yeah, it, it happened naturally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just a cycle. It's a development cycle. And I've mm-hmm. learned this way. And, um, and, and and that went on. And after that, I we, like, I think in a year or two, we got married and now we have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is even more rewarding, I, yeah. I feel, oh, in yeah, some ways. Was... No disrespect to my wife, but having the girls was awesome. Yeah. I can't explain it any other way. It's just it's a brilliant thing, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. and what about on a professional level and what's your proudest achievements? Okay. Uh, for me... It would be funny. People will say like earning a million this or a million that and, and stuff like that. For me, the courage to to give up the the money on the parent side uh, for choosing a personal path and then overcoming one of the biggest challenges I faced in my life is the big theme, finding the big theme in my life. Like what is the big um, theme that I would like to dedicate to? And that is for me, books. Yeah. and knowledge and coaching and these things combined together which is to do with 
forwarding the knowledge to the next generation or even to 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 the existing generation but spreading the right knowledge that enable people to uh, solve the problems so it sounds now, like there's quite a big goal kind of wrapped up in in that then for you yes but it probably has a lot of small goals like i i love media i love like being in highlight and and stuff like that so their youtube channel and and about my passion books i don't remember ever in my life ever 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 like ever even when i was in school that i ever went out of my city without a book in my hand ever ever left i mean when i was in year 5 uh i remember i had a 1000 comic collection i almost had wow. a library of my own so book has been books has have been there in my life forever it's just that i realized it very recently um like i think in in the last one year after doing a lot of reflective exercises and stuff with with my coach obviously um to work on and to figure out that this is the core passion i have like this is one passion which did not change despite of me being a polymath like i have changed so many interests like i could get interested in in um let's say give me a name like an, a niche um yeah. watches watches yeah but it will not last forever but books the idea of me and books this association has always been there since my childhood so this is the one thing yeah finding out I, this thing realizing this thing is i think my professional uh it, it it relieves me so much that now from now on my all everything i do in my career has to be around books it's, yeah. it's, it's funny because i i um i don't regret anything ever but if i was going to go back and have a chat have a word with my you know 21 year old self who was just finishing up at university i would tell him like keep on fucking learning <laughs> yeah like buy books these are the sorts of books you should read you're thinking about starting up a business so get into the, that self development because um i only started really reading again about 5 years ago so i had a 10 year hiatus really from from really i i guess i was learning coding and i was learning lots of other you know, learning about accounts and the practical side of running a business but mentally i wasn't feeding any of that at all and um yeah i i'd have a a bit of a scrap with my 21 year old self and shove a whole load of books in front of him and say you're you're going to be locked in a room now until you've read these and then you can go out to the world and you've got to read another 40 books a year and, until you get to my age yeah and <laughs> and that brings me to just quickly remind you that i have i have made a couple of videos which are available for free for people to actually yeah go for it tell us about it go and learn uh, not even learn like read up to a book a day in 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 less than 3 hours if you have 3 That's hours insane. free Uh, don't watch a movie you can just go and read a 6 hour long video uh, a 6 hour long book in just 3 hours using the smartphone and other technologies you have and yeah. how exactly to do that in a way that you will remember what you read i have explained this a small uh, video i'll give you the link yeah yeah please do um, yeah and it's by the way you can also track it by going to booksmind.com but i'll give you exactly yeah So you can put it awesome. in the show uh, sounds really cool i think that'd be helpful for a lot of people and it's like i kind of have to I, i do most of my reading i've got books surrounding me here at the moment but i do most of my reading through um through audible yeah so when i'm in the car or something like that so it tends that's to what be- i was doing when i when i met you for the first time that's right pool. i was listening you? to a book and i was lost in it but just because you were standing with a with a very little cute girl and i was like oh cute girl I've, and i was missing my son now that like oh i should have bought my son to swimming instead of going to the gym and stuff i was in that thought and you were talking to me something i had no idea what you were saying i was busy saying. waving at you yeah, I was like, pointing <laughs> at your t-shirt frantically and you kind of just slowly came out into what back into the real world so you look busy listening to an audiobook i think when you <laughs> 
Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> it took me a second or two to switch my mind because I had to press the button to pause it till that time I was holding my thoughts yeah. in there and like it was awkward moment but yeah I'm glad we met yeah it, it was it was awkward we don't have to talk about it if we don't need to but yeah <laughs> yeah awesome right so in terms of obviously you've got some quite sort of um, there are some big goals wrapped up in, in, in the work you're doing now so how do you maintain focus on those goals um so that's a good question. I don't think you can maintain focus on 12 goals at, at the same time. And in fact, all those 12 categories has one, two or three goals. So I don't think it's possible to maintain focus on those. So what I did in my life is I divided a year into 12 months. And every month I will dedicate myself to study exclusively more of that particular topic. So for example, if it's improving my money life, like or my financial life, so January it is. So in January, I will read significantly more books about money than it, than throughout the rest of the year. So that way I'm constantly acquiring, like every month is dedicated to spe uh, specific yeah, topics. Like and, and, and I read more books on, on, on those topics. We don't have TV. So I purposely don't have TV. Uh, oh, John, no I'm quite one jealous. My, my, my wife keeps on putting on things like Love Island and like, do we have to watch this trash and then I get told off for playing on my phone because I'm busy answering emails and it's just so frustrating and I keep on saying to her can we please just get rid of the TV and actually like sit down and read or talk that would be nice yeah. or just recharge do yeah nothing. or just recharge just do, do nothing, nothing. Yeah. that's much better than watching TV yeah, a bit of mindfulness it doesn't happen overnight I mean my wife used to watch as well because she did not have the culture of not watching a TV yeah. but then eventually when we were together and we were talking all these ideas one, one thing I found very lucky myself like I don't believe in luck but I said like it coincidentally it's, it, it's on my benefit is that my wife is very very adaptable so she is she's similar personality as me so she get excited about new ideas new things especially when it's around people I'm more about ideas and she's more about people yeah. So what people are doing around, she get excited and she would like to try that. So she tried that thing as well, the not watching TV and stuff. And then she loved it. And she started liking it. And, and it was, just I think, three or four years ago. And since then, we never watched TV. <laughs> I'll get the screwdriver out and just sabotage the TV. I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not working, darling. Uh, yeah, <laughs> such a shame. Yeah. Uh, what, so. what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a different journey. But anyway, so we get a little bit more time. But then I also uh, believe in creating daily rituals and stuff. Now, I'm not saying that I created perfect rituals. They keep on changing, being me being uh, polymath, but they're, they're there. So I definitely include reading at least one chapter of something which will enhance my mind a day um, every morning, like after my medi meditation, breakfast and all those things. Yeah. I definitely do that like 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, I read those books uh, every day. Yeah. But this is different from purposely reading a specific book. Now I made my business to read book as a work so now you can imagine that i'm 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 now getting into youtube videos and and some book summaries and and working with coaches and stuff now yeah. i have my business aligned to allow me to read books for fun and profit <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is is probably the perfect combination i'd imagine yeah. yeah it's like uh i'm living in heaven i mean this is what my measurement of success would be is the journey worth living the ultimate one measure yes it is you know i i um see i'm very much on the same same path as you very forward thinking i think you've always got to be thinking forward and then there are people you meet who are just always they're just stuck in the past and it's like who would you rather be sat you know 
who if you were stuck on a desert island with you, would you rather have somebody who's moping around going, oh, go stuck on a desert island, this thing that happened, or would you rather have somebody going, right, let's go and work out how to make some fire and build a shelter and think about how we're going to get rescued or get off this island? Um, you know, I think there's a there's a very positive mindset in that, um, which you've got to keep. And I, I um, you, you're, what have you got kind of, what's coming up next then, Ed? Um, next, I'm working on a project, which is a book um, coming up. It's about how people can raise their prices in, in a sense that they people who are genuinely providing some services or they're interested in providing some genuine services, how to position yourself in high price premium programs yeah. so that you get it paid enough to to go extra mile without ever worrying about your bills uh, to serve the clients. So the book is called Going Premium and I'm going to give you, uh, the link is bit.ly link is bit.ly yep. uh, slash going premium and all small letters. Okay. Cool. Uh, the book is about how to create premium packages and programs in your coaching or consulting services and how to sell them. I've, it's a really interesting thing because you know I've written about it in my book as well um, just a small chapter on it but it's probably one of the most common problems I think that my clients face um, they're all service-based businesses and I always say to people that because the first thing that people do when they're doing their market research and they call it market research is they'll go and see how much the competitors, competitors are charging now everybody wants to charge the cheapest and drive the prices down to the bottom because they think that's the way to compete and 95% of the competition might all be charging the same and it's all at a cheaper rate. Yeah. But how do we actually know whether they're right or not? Just because everybody's doing it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I, th I think I've been, again, uh, coincidentally, I was in a better position by asking my mentor, uh, what charge, what price should I charge for my service? And I was thinking of 250 pound or he dollars. With a price 20 and he came up, Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that was a mind shattering immediately. Uh, change my perception. Now it was impossible for me to think below that. I was the first service, even though after that the first service I charged was £1,000 per month, um, I knew that I'm undercharging, but I did it consciously, thinking that every time I sell my service, I'll double the prices next time and I'll see until what point I will be able to sell. Yeah. So I'm able to sell that, that same service which I sold for $900 to $5,000. Yeah. After that, it was difficult. I reached a point where it was really difficult to sell uh, with the same method exact service without giving extra um additional you know without having a team yeah uh, and i did not have a team we um we used to have a one-day branding product with my old agency actually and that that started out of being a sort of 500 pound logo design process yeah. drilled it down into a day and on average we were charging most clients 1500 quid the most i ever charged for it was 10 grand yeah. and that's a 30 million pound business and i was kind of like well they can afford it and this is going to give yeah. them a great return on investment because yeah. they'll have a great a great new brand and I think that's the key thing around pricing is focusing on what that return on investment is and being able to open your clients and prospects' eyes up to being able to see exactly like um, how much turnover, additional turnover, this thing is going to create, this change in mindset, change in perceptions, paradigm shift you're going to present to them, especially through a, a coaching sort of um, prospect. I had a really interesting conversation with somebody yesterday about uh, well it wasn't a, a conversation actually it was more just an observation which i made and so i was sat there and we started discussing other coaches and how much they charge 
And she said, oh, um, you know, so-and-so's in a different league to you. And I was kind of like, okay, well, that's interesting. What I was thinking was, oh, okay, so you think I'm cheap. Um, and we, I kind of probed her. I said, oh, why do you think that then? She said, oh, well, he's 200 pounds now. It's like, well, what makes you think I'm not 200 pounds now? I'm not worth 200 pounds now. I actually charge 250 pounds now for coaching. Um, but it was a bit awkward for her, I must admit. But it, but people's, you're also fighting so many perceptions when it comes to pricing. And, and you touched on it, people's perceptions around like yeah. their relationship with money. I think that's one of the battles I have with the society is that society is not the thing society is teaching us. Any society anywhere in the world uh, by default is never a rational uh, teaching. It's just a... A competitive like or or i would say just like random oh this works let's just do this this works this is oh, others are selling th- this much price so this product or this service must be this price like no that's crap um pricing i mean i have my one of my uh classmates from mba became a pricing strategist for for big companies and i think like it's just it's a waste of money to I'm sorry my friend but <laughs> waste of money to have that that kind of service because i believe pricing is always strategic yeah um now i have that paradigm shift but you don't have to wait for somebody to, to tell you that it just apply your mind the thing is that the moment you declare i want to be on this price point then the competition matters so on that price point who else is providing that service then go and look that what they are providing can you do something better yeah always starts from top and you can go down yeah. or you can even take the approach that if you don't believe in yourself like myself full of inferiority complexes and demons and personality disorders who don't believe in him yourself at that time or at now in your case uh, start with a point which will be fairly higher than what you are charging uh, good enough to push your paradigms but still uh, not like not impossible for you to con- convince yourself that uh, the, nobody will buy it just go and charge it yeah. see what happens every time you sell it on a higher price increase the price yeah. again until you reach a point where uh, nobody is buying anymore and and you see the difference you see the difference you can make in their life you mm. see the happiness they have the more involvement like the, the service for which people are hiring me for 5000 per month i'm pretty sure you can hire someone on Upwork for 250 a month and then you will spend 50 hours babysitting that person. Uh, you will still get the same result. Yeah. But the satisfaction and the happiness and minimum a client stayed at that price point with me was um, I think 13 months. 13 months. That's the minimum any client stayed with me at that price point. And the lower I was charging, people were staying like five, six months. Yeah, five months is the minimum any client has ever stayed with me. So, th- I mean, so that should give you an idea. But these are only about services. Let's talk about products. Let's say Apple. What is Apple giving you? It's giving you everything that somebody else is giving you much cheaper and much higher technology, everything. Yeah. But it's the the price that you declare the price first and then the competition matters after the price comes up. So. You just always, always, when you're pricing yourself, you always put up a price in the air. And and it should be out of thin air, at least considering your taxes, your luxuries, your uh, yeah. personal satisfaction, your ability to serve your clients. That's the most important one. Um, how you can go extra mile without 
worrying about your bill or like counting another hour oh i spent this much hour and it cost this much and i lost this it's a loss no uh, give go extra mile if yeah. you can do that then and 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 f- find out everything else the personal branding authoring a book well i'm writing a book about that how you can do a personal brand by authoring a book but all those things will come later you will figure that out yeah. uh, in the process I, I, of- i'd much rather like you know focus on delivering like over delivering for a client who's paid me 10 grand than under delivering for 10 clients who paid me 1000 pounds exactly and and that's the trap we fall into and then we're busy servicing those 10 clients so we never give ourselves the opportunity of the time to be able to go out and hunt for that client who's who's the high ticket the 10 10k client exactly imagine what experiences you can create for those 10k clients i mean you can invite them for quarterly dinners and then uh, go deep on like in a workshop or something like that like in a mastermind case on their problems help them solve it to a deeper level get them involved emotionally physically look at the satisfaction level you can create in their life yeah. from the results they are getting it's it's way different and compared another thing i have hired coaches a lot of times in my life the lowest i have ever hired was 10000 pounds a year that's the cheapest coach i've hired now i go to networking events and i see people uh, who are coaches about money and or or psychology or any other problem or meditation or calmness or anything they're like 50 pound an hour 30 pound an hour 25 pound an hour and they think they're like premium and they're still struggling like they're not enough people no that's not the case i will never hire you guys because of your price points you're you're way below my paying capacity i if i hire a coach i will hire at that price point or above i'm always aspiring to get oh maybe i can hire uh, another coach about let's say information product development and it, it it cost me more but that's my aspiration that's how life is yeah. that you want to get better you the best way is to pay for getting better yeah i i couldn't agree more actually and i mean one of my core values with fearless was always to make coaching accessible so part, but as part of that it's kind of like well you can have a you can also have a cheaper end membership based product um which is 47 pound a month but you don't get the one to one time you get access to me yeah and you get access to my knowledge my my tip sheets and my challenges and my my Q&A sessions but you don't get access to me and the next level up is well actually you don't get to work with me still but you get to work with a fearless business coach somebody who's been trained directly by me and then finally you pay that premium product that 10k per year yeah. you know for one to one coaching with me if you want yeah. to because that makes sense just by being in touch with you and and especially the activities you have consolidated yourself to or just restricted yourself to that these are the kind of results i'll focus on and giving uh, the clients they get 10 10x the result or emotional satisfaction yeah. from the work they will do working with you like then that. cool. then yeah. just uh joining a the cheapest version of your course with you know there's no point in you delivering that because you can have your team member deliver that yeah exactly yeah. we'll have an e-learning program deliver it or you know just deliver it on master group of people and let them enjoy the, the group accountability yeah um the mastermind effect exactly yeah cool so we're we're coming to an end um i just want to say thank you for like being so open about the your growing up and your relationship with your your parents and the family business because um I, i was amazed at how open you were with that and with our listeners so i really appreciate that 
Thanks um, for having me. I think there's an awful lot that we can we can learn from what you've said around sales, marketing, pricing. Um, uh, just just to kind of wrap up, so with going premium, the book. Uh, when do you have a rough kind of um, time of arrival for for that? Yeah, so it's a beta uh, beta book um, launch right now. So that means that you sign up for free. So it's for uh, free for, if you want to pre-buy this book it's 47 dollars it's uh 47 pounds sorry it's up to you uh but i would invite you since you're listening to robin um and his podcast right now to come and join the beta program you will get access to the book free when it's released but till that point as i will write the chapters i will release those chapters to you before in hand and i will take your opinion on that so you're basically joining this in a in a with a promise that you will help me give your op- honest opinion yeah. on how the the chapters are going along and that's how um you can uh, I'm, I've done, contribute yeah. you will be part of the i've done the it with book. my books before and it's right. it's amazing when people come back to say oh why haven't you included this or why haven't you done that well so yeah. i'm sure they can help so details for that bit.ly forward slash going premium all lowercase and uh is there any are there any other ways for people to get in touch with you i think um my youtube channel but the best way is to go to booksmind.com and there's an access there's a button to change uh to to check the youtube channel and i think definitely if you're interested in raising your prices or uh, even in a remote future you want to um to, to put up high price products and services the problem with most of the books out there or most of the courses out there is that they are targeted to newcomers uh, but they don't um, and, and newcomers are the people who have the like toughest challenges in selling what about people who are already selling their services and they have to go to the next level this book is for those people cool. yeah, so, we need some of that in our lives yes. definitely the expert opinion Awesome. Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure. Keep us posted on your progress. And I hope that um, some of the listeners will be busy now, fervently signing up to the beta program for going premium.